Hey, welcome along to another year of my life. With us today, former Ireland and Liverpool midfielder Jason McAteer. Jason, thank you very much for your time. It's great to see you, Andy. How are you keeping? I, I'm all right, Jason. No complaints from me. How about you? How's the family? Okay. Um, obviously, we're, we're five weeks in, just uh, into lockdown. So it kind of the novelty's kind of worn off a little bit for me, as you know. I'm a bit of a bit of a jet setter and you know flying around and doing different things for the club and that so obviously planting my roots for this amount of time is obviously starting to take its toll with the kids and uh, and everything else um but we're getting through it uh, obviously there's a bigger picture to this as you know you know it's, we're all trying to you know keep everyone safe and, and help the nhs over here as everyone is around the world i'm sure you you're the same over there so we're um, we're doing our bit but we're just trying to grind through it at the minute so yeah no complaints really yeah, it's it's not not the easiest, is it? It's, um, but I I think we all just have to we have to just get through it, don't we? Do do our bit, and hopefully we'll get you back over to Doha with us soon. Yeah, that'd be nice, mate. I mean, the weather here has been has been Doha weather. I mean, one thing you have got is obviously the opportunity to get out, but it's the same for us into the garden, and it's uh, it's going to be about seventy seventy three today, which is uh, for England at this time of the year is is fantastic. So. The kids are out in the fresh air, no iPads today or TVs, which is great. So, yeah, in the fresh air and it makes you feel better, a bit like yourself. Maybe I haven't got the pool like you. I haven't got the pool. <laughs> well, you know, we're looking in some respect, eh? Hey, Jason, oh, if you want to watch this uh, little series with us, we'll may well spot. We've talked about 1995, 1996 before, but it, it was such a good season. I think it's worth going back to. T- to me, growing up, and everyone will have their own opinions, I think it's still my favourite season ever because there were three teams in the league that year. Liverpool, Newcastle, Manchester United, who were brilliant to watch, who all played relentless attacking football and had pretty little regard for defending, which as a, as a neutral or as a viewer just made it fantastic to watch. What about you as a, as a player? To be involved, was it your, your finest season? Yeah, I mean, I was going through a, a, a real good patch. I'd obviously come into professional football really late, sort of 1990, 91. I... I turned pro. I was actually like 19, 20 years of age around that time. So um, so I had a bit of catching up to do, you know, no apprenticeship. So obviously being a Bolton, worked hard with Bruce Rayock on sort of all my weaknesses and sort of really got into football. And then obviously was capped in 94, just before the World Cup. And then obviously I went to America with Ireland and, you know, that just, you know, put me in good stead really to, to feel like I, I, I could belong playing with the best players and playing at the top because obviously playing around, you know, with Ireland and Paul McGrath and Roy Keane and Andy Townsend and Aldo and all and Ronnie Whelan, you know, you feel at home. So, yeah, I was growing in confidence and I probably would say around sort of the 95, 96 season was when I was feeling at my most confidence. Um, I'd had a few seasons at Bolton where we'd grown as a team and I'd grown as a person and, um, you know, become confident with who I was as a footballer knew I, I could handle myself on the big stage so um yeah so the the 95 season sort of started off with um it was good and bad it was like happy times and sad times because we obviously at Bolton we'd got promotion from the season before we'd beaten Reading in the playoffs so we got to the you know the the Holy Grail was getting to the Premier League. We'd managed to do that with our team and our manager, Bruce Rayoff and Colin Todd. But unfortunately for us, Bruce decided that he, he wanted to go to Arsenal. You know, the lure to pull him to Arsenal was massive. Um, and, I, and I felt abandoned because he was like a father figure to me. And as I said, I was learning from him and spent a lot of time, you know, after training, staying behind and working on different things with him. And, you know, I loved him to bits. And, and then he left. Uh, and I had no real desire to leave Bolton you know we'd got to the Premier League I wanted to have a go at the, you know with this team with the squad but obviously in the papers it was you know talking about me moving on with, with Alan Stubbs and Alan Thompson they were the other two players at Bolton that looked like they were going to move on but we, we were quite happy to stay um, and then Bruce left and then we thought then it was our time to leave you know it was you know we were going to go off to different clubs we were going to be bought um, but that wasn't the case. Roy McFarlane was the new manager of Bolton, decided that we were going to stay. He was turning down all kinds of offers. Um, and we, we actually played probably the, the probably four or five, maybe six games for Bolton before the transfer clause was, uh, was triggered. This was the days before the, the transfer window, wasn't it? So you got up until 
the international break in the middle of September before you went. Was it always Liverpool for you? Because there was a lot of talk at the time that Blackburn fancied you as well. Ideally, if, if you'd have said to me, you know, you're going to leave in the summer from Bolton, who, who do you want to go to? Of course, it would be Liverpool. You know, that was the club I supported. That's where I wanted to go. They showed, you know, relatively little interest, to be honest. I mean, I'd had a couple of phone calls with off Sammy Lee would ring me up and just say, he was just saying to me, listen, keep us in the picture. If, if Bolton say anything to you or if anyone comes in, just let us know. But it, they never really said they wanted to sign me. We'd obviously played them in the in the League Cup the season before. Um, so they'd had, a, they'd had a good look at me and they knew, you know, they knew that what they were getting kind of thing. Um, but they never really said, listen, we want you, We, you know, you want to come. So, like I said, I was, I was quite happy, you know, starting the season with Bolton. But when Bruce left, I kind of wanted to move on then. I kind of thought, right, I want to go. Um, and then, as you just mentioned there, you know, hoping that Liverpool would trigger that clause. It, it wasn't Liverpool, it was Blackburn. You know, they bid £9 million for myself and Alan Stubbs um, in a joint deal. Obviously, Blackburn with the, with the Premier League champions from the season before. Um, so it was a massive compliment because Kenny was my hero and it was a massive compliment him coming in for me. But, um, but with them being Premier League holders as well, you know, I knew that the opportunity to go to a top, top club with a top manager was, was you know, it was there for me. So, um, so yeah, we, we went and spoke to Kenny. Uh, the two of us went up with our agent. We went and spoke to him in a hotel on the East Lanks Road, um, the Haydock Thistle, we met there. Um, and during that meeting, Obviously, Liverpool had found out that the transfer fee had been triggered and um, and they rang my agent during the meeting and just said, we'd like to speak to, to Jason if it's OK. We've agreed four and a half million quid, which was obviously half the nine and a half, nine million quid for the pair of us. And um, and I, I said to Kenny during the meeting, listen, you know, Liverpool have agreed. Is it OK if I get the opportunity to talk to Liverpool? And Kenny just went, no. He said, if you leave the room and you go and speak to Liverpool, he said, the deal's off. He said, so it's up to you. You either sign for us now, the Perrier's, nine million package, or um, or the deal's off if you leave the room without signing. So I was under tremendous pressure. You know, I was young. I'd never been in this situation before. Kenny, my hero. But I've got Liverpool wanting to talk to me and sign me, my boyhood club where I've always wanted to play. But I've got Alan Stubbs sitting outside where I could wreck his dream. So I was like, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And I went out and I spoke to Stubbsy and he just said to me, listen, Liverpool's your club. You need to go and speak to them. So I said, "Okay, brilliant." And um, and I went back in. I said to Kenny, "Listen, I'm going to go and speak to Liverpool." And he just said to me, "Ring me later and let me know what you're going to do." And I said, "Okay." Do you think there was the chance to go back to Kenny if Liverpool hadn't happened, or do you think he was adamant that was it, Blackburn gone? No, I, I, I think I think it was. You know, they like I said, they were Premier League title winners. Kenny knew that I was his. You know, I was a big fan of his. I think he was just putting the pressure on me. I think he was just saying, listen, you know, you and Alan, they're not going to sign if you leave this room. So it's up to you. But I think if I'd have rang him, if, I, if I'd have spoke to Liverpool and not liked what I'd heard or Roy had said to me, listen, you're not going to play for a couple, you know, season, maybe just going to bed you it. I might have been different. I might have rang Kenny and said, listen, Kenny, listen, I'm not going to sign for Liverpool. Is it OK if we, we sit down again? I think he would have given me the opportunity. But I think he knew that once Liverpool... I'd got me and out to Anfield to talk, then there was no turning back for me. So, Had you seen much of the football that season, or much of Liverpool particularly? Because even before you signed, it, was, it set the tone for the season. There was Stan Collymore on his debut, and then a week later, Liverpool lost against Leeds. Tony Yeboah scored that wonderful goal. And it seemed to set the tone that we, we all knew Liverpool were going to be one of the teams to watch that season. Maybe, we didn't, who knew if there would be title challenges, but they were going to be great to watch. I was a Liverpool fan. I was going to the games. You know, I stood on the cop when Graeme Souness was manager against, um, it was Bristol City. Brian Tingan scored the penalty and that knocked them out of the cup. I think it was City, Bristol City or Bristol, it was one of them. Bristol Road was Bristol City, I can't remember. But I, I was on the cop that night watching it. And, um, you know, I used to go to games. And, um, and I remember speaking to Ronnie Whelan. And Ronnie Whelan was saying to me, in the players' lounge, you used to get in the players' lounge and stuff. Because I knew Jamie and, and Stevie Mack and Robbie because... Obviously, I was playing for Ireland and living in Liverpool. I'd go out for a night out with my mates and bump into them. So, you know, we bumped into each other quite regularly, whether we were shopping, restaurants, or just having a night out. So I, I knew the lads. So it was kind of, you know, I was a fan, but I was also 
not great mates with them, but I knew them. So, you know, I'd, you know, we'd have a drink together. They'd ask me what's going on. Are you signing? Are you coming? What's happening? And, you know, how's things and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I knew, you know, it was a young team. It was going to be an exciting team. They were great players. Um, you know, they were up and coming players and Roy, you know, was trying to get this nice balance between youth and experience. So, he, you know, he kept on um, John Barnes and Ian Rush and, you know, Jan was still there when I signed. Paul Stewart was still there. Um, Ronnie was still there. I mean, they left just as I got there, but Barnsley and Rushy were, and, and Mark Wright were probably the, you know, they were the experienced pros uh, who, who Roy decided to keep and, and build the team around. So I knew what was going on there, yeah. I knew it was an exciting team. So you've just said no to Kenny Douglas, your hero. You're not going to go and play for Blackburn. You make your Liverpool debut against... That's how, that's how much of a fan I am, mate. I'm still drinking out of a cup. <laughs> You've won a few more of those, Jason. Yeah, yeah, that's the only cup I've won, mate. <laughs> so you said no to Kenny. Your, your boyhood yeah. hero. You said, no, I'm not going to go to Blackburn. I'm going to Liverpool. And you make your Liverpool debut against Blackburn. Blackburn Rovers, yeah. Funny, funny how football throw these, these situations up, innit? Yeah. And Bolton was on the horizon. I think Bolton was the next game. So, um, so yeah, um, yeah, it was kind of a tricky time. You know, when I signed for Liverpool, they were away in uh, in Russia. They were playing Vladikavkaz in the, I think it was the Cup Winners' Cup, I think. That's you. Um, yeah, so they, they were in Europe. Um, so when I signed, uh, as much as it, as it was, you know, it was four and a half million quid, they just paid seven million for Stan Collymore, who'd hit the ground running, as you mentioned there, scored, you know, a fantastic goal. His, the debut against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I like you say the Premier League was, you know, was relatively new still. You know, the money was coming into the Premier League. It was still only two or three seasons old. Um, you know, Richie Keys and Andy Gray. You know, they pioneered the way we were watching football through Sky. You know, it was Super Sunday had come around. So, you know, like you just said there, you know, we were seeing all the goals. It was gone you know, of, the, of the, the big match on a Sunday in grandstand on a Saturday where you get the reports coming in. We were actually seeing all the goals and the glamour was was just fantastic. It was just, you know, the adverts and footballers were becoming more like pop stars and film stars. The money was coming into the game. So, um, so yeah, it was just really, really exciting time. So, to sign for this young, exciting club was amazing. But like I said, they were away. So, I didn't actually train with the lads for a couple of days. And then, obviously... You know, as you just put it, ironically, you know, my first game was against Blackburn. So obviously, I didn't make eyes with Kenny. Just kept me head down, and uh, I got on. I think I think I got on for the last ten minutes. I think Barnsley came off, and uh, it was my first taste. But I remember, you know, walking into the dressing room, and it was the old, obviously, the old dressing room. But the nostalgia that was in there, you know, the wooden bench that had been there from Shankly was still used to get strappings. It was a small, I wouldn't say pokey, but it was certainly not like the grand dressing rooms are now. You know, it was very small. There was wooden benches, L-shaped. You know, there was a doorway into the showers. Big bath was still there. Um, toilets onto the back right. Um, you walk into the dressing room. The manager sat onto the right with all his staff. There was a fridge with all the Lucozades in. That was basically it. You know, your kit was hanging up. Um, and I'm quite territorial. I, I like to change in, in corners. I don't like to be in the middle of a of a long row. I like to get into the corners. So I managed to um, ask the kit man if I could get changed there. And when I walked in, he'd give me the peg right in the corner. My number four shirt was up, my towel with my shorts and my socks. I'll never forget it. My me, me two pairs of boots were there, sparkling. Um, and I just remember putting the kit on and just going into where the toilets were and the sinks and everything and just looking in the mirror and just thinking, this is it. Like you've signed for Liverpool. Like looking at the badge and the kit and, and the, the bright red shirt, I'm just thinking this is just like dreams. You know, dreams have come true here. How annoying or how frustrating was it then? So you make your debut, you come on for John Barnes, last 10 minutes against Blackburn. The next game is against Bolton. So I, I presume that you, it was pre agreed you wouldn't play in that game. No, um, that was one of the, the stipulations, didn't play. Um, and when I signed, it was funny because you say coming on for Barnsley against Blackburn. When I signed, um, Roy's idea was to get me and Jamie in the middle of the park. He obviously wanted the industry from me and the work rate and getting forward. Um, and obviously, 
getting back and helping Jamie defend. But Jamie was obviously the articulate one, the smooth and, you know, with the passes and, you know, he wanted him on the ball. And this was his vision. This was his idea. But it, it never turned out like that. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of took a different direction sort of a few games on from that. So obviously to come on for John Barnes, it was kind of bittersweet, really. It was kind of, I was coming on for one of my heroes, um, knowing that, you know, he was getting sort of phased out a little bit, but it, it, it didn't pan out like that. Well, so in the end, if my memory's right, you, you kind of ended up making that right back, right wing back, almost your position for that, that season. Rob Jones got injured and kind of, I played on the right. Um, I sort of grew up non-league football as a right wing. They started off as a right, right back, uh, went to, to right wing. I mean, it was very much 4-4-2. I mean, dinosaur football, 4-4-2. That's how everyone played. That was it. Um, so it was either right back or right midfield. And I was, you know, I was both growing up. Um, and then Bolton, it was Bruce Riott that put me in the middle of the park. He wanted me to play centre midfield. Um, and that's where I learnt my trade there. So, you know, I was signed for Liverpool predominantly as a, a centre midfielder, but Roy knew I could play, I could play right back. Um, and Rob Jones got injured. And I think what forced Roy's hand was I was more... I was more attack-minded than defensive-minded. So I used to like getting forward. Um, Stig Bjornaby liked to get forward as well. And, you know, we had a wealth of, of talent at centre-half. I mean, we had four very, very good centre-halves. Mark Wright, England international. Phil Babb played in the World Cup, Irish international, 94. Uh, John Scales, I think, had been capped for England. And Neil Ruddock been capped for England. So, you know, we had four international centre-halves. Um, and obviously, they were putting pressure on Roy to play. And I, and I think, you know, he'd settled on a, on a back three. Me, being more attack-minded, could play wing-back. Um, and obviously, Rob Jones and Stig Bjornaby could play on the left. They, they liked attacking more. So, it kind of suited the system. But also, it gave, um, it gave Roy the opportunity to give Steve McManaman a free role. So, all of a sudden, he kind of... He didn't shoe on players into positions. He fa- it was kind of genius, really. He kind of found where everyone was really happy, but he got the best out of everyone. And like you said, it produced this really attractive, um, extravagant, forward-thinking attacking team. Do you remember when you first got a start for Liverpool? What was that? Was, was that was that the big turning point to go out and actually start a game? Yeah. Well, obviously, Rob getting injured, which wasn't ideal. Um, because I still wanted to play centre midfield. Um, so when he got injured, I knew there was a run of games in the team. But then obviously Roy, when he changed the system, I kind of had an inclination that I was there to stay. Because I kind of thought, well, he knows I'm a lot happier playing on the right. Barnes is actually playing really well. Jamie was in and out of the team with Mickey Thomas because he was injured. Stig loved playing there, like I said. And he got Steve McManaman a free role, but Stan and Robbie you know, playing up front, but also he got the protection of three centre-halves. So, all of a sudden, we started playing really, really good football. And I think my first start, if my, my memory serves me right, was um, was Manchester United away, which which was Cantona's comeback game. So, the game was massive, built up by Kesey uh, and Andy on. We were super Sunday. You know, Cantona's comeback after his infamous kung fu kick. So, you know, you could just imagine like the nerves to go to Old Trafford. You know, I've never played there. Um, you know, I've been at Bolton, played in some big games, obviously played at Wembley, played in the World Cup. But, you know, to play in front of like 60,000, 70,000 in, in that game as my first start for Liverpool. Well, well, it was, um, I could tell you, I spent, I spent longer on the toilet before the game. I know that. <laughs> Did it take the pressure off you a bit though? Because obviously, with all due respect, no one's talking about Jason McAteer's debut when you've got all this furore and circus around Eric Cantona coming back. So your debut or your first start, if you like, was almost, it was a bit under the radar. Yeah, I mean, it was never, it was never ever, that fixture was never ever going to be about me making my debut. You know, I, I wasn't that kind of player. I wasn't that kind of attraction. And as you say, you know, it was all built around Cantona. But one thing that was built up was, you know, could I handle Ryan Giggs? You know, there was a big challenge of Giggsy. I mean, Giggsy, you know, Manchester United, the Premier League that season, as you rightly said, you know, was talked about as this young 
attractive Man United team that was going to win nothing with kids that had done so well the season before. Um, Newcastle under Kevin Keegan, who put a phenomenal team together. But also, what you missed out was Blackburn were, were still holders and still trying to retain the title and still very very much in the, in the race um, under Kenny. So, you know, and then you throw us into the mix. You know, it was it was probably you know the first massive game of the season, and as you said, was was built up that way. So it was never ever going to be about me. It was it was always about other things, but. For me personally, you know, you don't want to let the side down. You don't want to let yourself down, do you? And it was a, it was the ultimate test. It was the game I, I looked myself upon and thought, if I do well here, I'm actually going to stay in the team forever. Because, you know, if you can play in that fixture and you can play well, then you can play anywhere in the world for Liverpool. Because that's think, the ultimate fixture. Did you think you'd won it when you got this? It was Nicky Butt put United in front. Was it a couple of goals from Robbie Fowler? Had you in front? Do you think you were going to win the game? Yeah, we, you know, we'd gone 2-1 up. Robbie, oh, Robbie was just genius. Genius. I think, you know, if you see the two goals, smashes one into the top corner, beats the best keeper in the world twice with phenomenal goals. And then the second goal, which, which I love, you know, um, he just shrugs off Gary Neville. And then he has the audacity to, to chip 6 foot 5 Schmeichel with the most elegant, you know, little backlift just floats it over him and then just runs away just with that cheeky grin. Um, yeah, it, yeah, you know, 2 1 up, Old Trafford, you know, obviously they, they threw everything at it. And, you know, it was a, I think, I think if I remember rightly, the, the penalty, VAR, if VAR was around, I don't think it would have been given. Jamie slides in on Giggsy with Mickey Thomas and it's outside, the foul's outside the box, but they're going into the box. And obviously, Giggs falls in the box and the referee gives the penalty. The fairy tale is Cantona's come back, Liverpool, 2-1 down, penalty. You're standing there and you're just thinking, you just know he's going to score. And he scored. But what I felt was we would get another. I never felt we'd lose the game. I felt we were always in it and we'd go on and win it. I felt more like that. And um, and obviously, you know, we ended up 2-2. And... Um, you know, you go away, Old Trafford, against a you know a team that's fighting for the title. No harm done. So this is you now. You're now a Liverpool player. You've got you've got that spot. You got a, a funny little run from from then up until up until the, the turn of the year. I think you lost five games in total. So by by Christmas, did you almost feel you you were out of the title race? Yet yeah, you you beat Man United at Anfield, Robbie again. Uh, there was the three-one against Arsenal. So everyone knew you had it there. So the performances, but you were just dropping silly points at times that, that meant you were never really in the title race, even though to watch, we, we all knew that Liverpool were one of the teams, probably the hardest team to beat in, in many ways. Yeah, we, I mean, yeah, to, you know, we were, we were always sort of dubbed the nearly men, but I, I think defensively we took quite a bit of criticism, um, which was un, unjust really. It was more, I think if you look at the top four that finished that season, we finished there, Newcastle and United, obviously top. Out of the top four, we, we had the best defensive record. You know, and I, you know, we had a better goal scoring record, goals for, than, than Newcastle. I think United only pipped us by three or four goals. But defensively, we were better than Newcastle and Manchester United. Um, I'm not sure we finished fourth. I think it was Arsenal, I think. But we had a better defensive record than them. We had a fantastic back four. So, you know, I think what you just said there was right. You know, we drop silly points. We give silly goals away. You know, at 1-0 up, we try and go 2-0, 3-0. When really, 1-0, shut up shop. You know, nick three points, get out of there. Um, we would still be very extravagant. And, you know, we probably, we'd, we we would take our eyes off it. A little bit of concentration here and there. And then concede silly goals. Draw 2-2, draw 1-1. One, one. Um you know, so we, we drop points that way rather than, you know, getting beat heavily. I mean, I was just looking, I was just looking down there before we beat Man United in that two, or we, we drew with Man United. You know, we beat the Premier League title holders 3-0 at Anfield, uh, which was obviously that game you, you mentioned when I come on for 10 minutes. Um, battered Manchester City 6-0. You know, we were beaten by Newcastle away, beat, beaten by Everton away. As you just said, they, you know, we, we went through a little bad patch through October, November, we kind of off started, come out the blocks flying, and then just sort of 
literally just stopped in our tracks with, with four or five really bad results, but then got it back on track again. Were you better in big games? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the results, you know, in the big, big games, we turned up. You know, the, the, the result that turned it round, um, obviously, we beat, just before the Liverpool-Man United game, uh, we beat Bolton away 1-0, and then we beat Manchester United 2-0 uh, at Anfield. Then we beat um, Arsenal. Then we drew with Chelsea. Can you remember so, those two at Anfield, yeah. United and Arsenal? Yeah, I remember the United game more than the Arsenal game. I think, I think the Arsenal game, Ian Wright missed a penalty, but you'd, I'd, you'd have to check that. But the United game, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was like Man United, my first game against Man United at Anfield, under the lights. Um, and I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pat myself on the back here. You know, Giggsy, thanks, mate. You do it. Giggsy never got a kick. We work so hard on the training ground. Our tactics were right. It was it was mad because I remember being on training ground and the gaffer saying, um, "Let Beckham have it, let Beckham have it." And I was thinking, he's, you know, we talked about one of the best passes in the world here. He, you know, he can open up things ridiculous. And he uh, and his idea was to Giggsy. They played so wide, yeah. um, and the, the idea was. Beckham loved Hollywood. You know, we just wanted that 30, 40, 50 yard pass. So Giggsy would always get on the shoulder. So Ebo would say to me, tuck in and show him the passes on. So I'd tuck in and Ronnie Moran would say to me, soon as Beckham gets his head down to it's a 40 yard pass, you've got to make up 15 yards. That ball's got to travel 40, 45 yards. You can get to Giggs before the ball gets there. So soon as Beckham gets his head down, you get out to him. So show him the pass, get out to him. And we, honest to God, it worked the treat. We must have cut that pass out 10 times during that game. It was just like, go on, hit it. He did it. And then we cut it out and we get on the break. And then we were so good on the break, so quick. And uh, Robbie again, free kick, first half. And then the second goal, him and Macca just tore them up. Bit of skill. Robbie again, Dink Schmeichel, 2-0. We battered them. We battered them. That, that night. As, as a neutral, you were brilliant to watch that Liverpool team. Did you think sometimes the criticism that's, that's levelled at you is you, you maybe enjoyed yourselves too much? Is, is that harsh? I mean, what was the, the Spice Boys tag that, that you had? It almost implied that you were... You, I mean, you said it. You, you, when you went to Liverpool, it was almost like you became a pop star. Were there too many distractions? No, I mean, like I said, you know, everyone was still learning. So, you know, you had the old school... Yeah, the old school supporter who would be like, you know, who couldn't get their head round that football was changing and becoming more glamorous in the sense of, you know, we, we were on the back of cereal packets and doing adverts and, you know, doing these kind of things. Football was moving forward. You know, the glamour of the game was changing. So there was people who were adapting to it and could appreciate that, you know, this was the way football was moving forward and, and the lads are going to do that. And there was the ones who were going, why are they doing that? Why aren't they sleeping? Why aren't they eating properly? Why aren't they concentrating on the game? Why aren't they doing that? You know, there was, there was plenty of time to, to do different things. There was plenty of time to do interviews and do adverts. You know, it wasn't really going to impede on your fitness or how you were played or, or your approach to the games on a Saturday or a Wednesday or whatever it was. But people just got it into their head that, you know, we were doing it. And, you know, probably unfortunately we we had a quite a good-looking team. You know, John Scales was smooth and really suave. Jamie was a good-looking lad. Patrick Berger, we signed, looked a million dollars. You know, David James. You know, so these companies were looking at these these lads and saying, I want them on on my posters and my adverts and doing stuff. So, you know, we were getting... Don't no, push be... yourself out, Jason. You, you were washing hair and everything. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was getting my fair share of the, um, of the adverts as well. So, you know, but... You know, your agent was putting it on the table and, you know, they were throwing around, you know, for that wash and go advert. I got paid £100,000 to do it back in 1997, which was probably 200 grand back then, you know. So it's a lot of money, a lot of money to turn down. So, you know, we were given the opportunity to do it. We were given the okay by the club and, and we went and did it. You know, it wasn't like it was now where partnerships and image rights were like, you know, you can't do it because of this, that and the other. And, you know, partnerships were blocking you because of the club's part partners and all that. It was literally a free-for-all back then. People were still learning. You know, agents were coming into the game. Financial advisors were coming into the game. 
So, you know, but I look back and, you know, I think, you know, Man United were doing the same thing. Newcastle players were doing, Arsenal players were doing the same thing. Uh, Tottenham players. So we were all doing it. But the problem with us, the Liverpool team, was because we were expected to win the title that season, we were so glamorous and everything, and we didn't. People were looking for an excuse. And it was, you were out too much. You were going out with pop stars. You were doing adverts. You were doing this. That wasn't the case. I can imagine your team, as you said, you were a good-looking set of lads. I don't suppose you had too many trouble getting a few phone numbers if you went for a night out after a game. No, it was, yeah, it was, it was easy enough. Um, you know, we used to, we'd stay in London after we played. We'd have the Sunday off, so we'd, we'd stay, ask the gaffer if we could stay down. He was okay with it. We'd stay down. We had a lot of friends in London, um, so we'd go out. London was great because you never got bothered. No one really bothered you. So we, we like that. You know, you just, you, be, you become normal. You know, when you come back up to Liverpool, you know, everyone's got an opinion. If you're an Everton fan, you're getting stick. If you haven't played well or you lost the game, your own fans were giving you stick. Um, you know, people wanted to be around you. Um, so it was difficult. So we, we felt it was more of a, a release to, to go somewhere different where you couldn't you couldn't get any hassle. So that's why we went to London. We didn't go to London because it was glamour, glamorous. But like you just said there, when you're in London, you bump into a certain kind of person, whether it was TV, film, music, whatever. And, you know, I, I think the thing as well, mate, I think back then, you know, I remember talking to one particular girl who was in a, in a band and, you know, we shared the same, we shared the same kind of, problems really you know we we were we were probably two people from a very similar background who you know found that the pressure of fame and you know difficult to handle so we kind of bounced off each other you know we kind of spoke to we spoke to each other a lot about you know problems that, that whether she faced or whether I faced um you know there was a trust element there because we were both in the same kind of industry not you know what I mean kind of like yeah. that kind of fame industry so, um, yeah, so we, we bounced off each other. We shared problems with each other. And, you know, mental health back then wasn't, you know, it was, you know, it was relatively new. No one really knew what was going on. But, you know, we were under severe pressure. I, you know, they were under pressure to tour and make songs. I was under pressure to, to win games and play well. You know, we just, you know, released by speaking to each other. And, you know, we didn't see each other too often because we were always away. But, you know, we, we shared. And, and, and a lot of the lads felt the same thing when whoever they went out with. You know, Jamie yeah. ended up marrying Louise and she had the same prop. She was in a, in a pop band, Eternal. You know, a lot of the lads did date famous people, but sometimes I think, you know, we shared a lot in common. Do you yeah. think it's, it's unfair to, to beat that team with the, the Spice Boys stick and say that if you'd taken football more seriously, you, you, you could have won the league that year? Is that a bit unfair? Yeah, we, we took it extremely serious, mate. We, we knew... Um, we knew we had a real opportunity to win the title. We knew we were good enough. You know, no one beats themselves up more than, more than us. You know, we get together now, you know, and reminisce. And it was the season, them two seasons, 95, 96, 96, 97, maybe 97, 98, because Roy was building, you know, Paddy came. Um, we built Michael Owen who come on the scene, a bit younger. You know, we had an opportunity then. You know, then three seasons were a real opportunity to win the title and we and we didn't take it. But it wasn't for the want of not wanting it enough. We just didn't know. We just didn't know how to. We just didn't have, you know, we just didn't not have the the management, the game management or the mentality to, to get over the line. Man United did. Um, and later on, Arsenal did under Arsene Wenger. Do you remember your first goal for Liverpool? Oh, yeah, cop end, Rochdale FA Cup. Don't forget them moments, mate. Um, 7 0, the game's done. What was it? Like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I celebrated like it was the winner against Man United in the FA Cup final. Um, yeah, Mickey Thomas played me and I made a lovely little run and uh, smashed one, smashed one into the top corner, across the keeper. Yeah, cop end. Um, but I think it was about the, the sixth or the seventh. Yeah. But it was just a special moment, you know, just to to score a goal for Liverpool at home, cop end, is, is what you dream about doing as a kid, isn't it? So, you know, did it. Tick that box. The FA Cup run was brilliant. We'll come back to it. But the league was, was sort of ticking over and you, you never quite got in, in the title race, but there were some games that season. Uh, the 5-0 against Leeds, 
3-0 against Villa when Robbie Fowler scored that wonderful goal where he just cut inside Steve Staunton. They were, hey, they that were was the best... That was the best board, that first half. If you, if you can find it anywhere, I don't know it's on YouTube, like full 45 minutes. That's one of the best 45 minutes of football you'll see any team play. We were unplayable. You know, you, it was no slayer. I think Brian Little was the manager. No slayer on him, tactics, his team. They had some inter, full internationals all playing. We were just unplayable for 45 minutes. Um, and the worst thing that happened to us and the best thing that happened to Villa was the referee blew the half-time whistle, because it, it, if if he just played on, it would have been it could have been ten nil, but we went in half-time, and then you know it all settled, and then we went back out, and we couldn't you know we couldn't get it going again to that level. I think obviously it was nil nil, second half. But I've never played in a game of football for forty-five minutes where I've just come off at half-time and just went wow. It was like two touch. The movement was brilliant. One touch. The goals we scored. Robbie's goal where he Cruyff's stand and Steve Staunton and smashes it into the top corner. It was just like Roy the Rovers. It was, it was just like mental. Did you enjoy that one more or the 4-3 against Newcastle? A different game, but that's the one that everyone always says is the best game in Premier League history. Yeah, I watched it the other It was on Sky the other night here in England and um, they played the full game. I watched it back, and, he, and even then, the airs on my arms were standing up. You know, some of the football that was played, it was just the energy. Um, it was played at, played at the, in the right tempo, in the right manner. It had everything. It had, you know, goals, uh, bad defending, good defending, um, aggression. It had skill. It had an atmosphere, you know, at night under the lights but two teams that were going for the title. We ended up doing each other because yeah. obviously, you know, United went on and, and won the title. We kind of, you'll know, being a Newcastle, we kind of, it was like, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a sucker punch. I think Newcastle would have gone on and won the league had they beat us that night. It was the game that kind of finished your season, kind of deflated you. And, you know, if it wasn't us, we would have wanted Newcastle to win the title. And obviously, we've we done ourselves because we beat it and, and Man United went on and won it. But as a game, it was just... Yeah, I would say, you know, that 45 minutes is the best I've ever played in. But a full 90 minutes to play in a game would have been the Newcastle game, yeah. See, that's always the accusation levelled against Newcastle. And, and Newcastle fans, maybe, you'd rather see your team lose 4-3 than win 1-0. But I think most football fans would rather watch a game like that and watch their team grind out a 1-0. There's, there's, there's not much excitement about that. That 4-3 was as, as good a 90 minutes of football as probably anyone who watched that night will ever see. Ever see, mate. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of games that have, have come close to that game and played in the right manner. And like you said, been, you know, rains off. And, and, but you look at the managers and it was Keegan and... Uh, Keegan was it, no, Yeah, well, was it Keegan or Kenny, the first that one? So the first one, that's when Keegan was slumped down yeah. over the holdings when that's Stan it. scored, Stan Collymore in stoppage time. So, yeah, so obviously it was Kev and, and Roy, two very ex expansive managers, wasn't it? They, you know, if you look at the team, Janola, Ferdinand, Despria, you know, you, we had obviously the way we played, Maka, Robbie, Stan, myself, Rob Jones on the other side, Jamie Barnsley. Uh, yeah, we were just like, it was just an amazing game to play in. Um, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, Man United played quite attractive football that season. They played some nice stuff, but you know, they just had the nose to get over the line and grind results out sometimes. But you know, as two teams go, you couldn't have got two better attacking teams than Newcastle and Liverpool. And unfortunately, to the detriment that that season of the way it was played, not none of us won the title. So yeah, it felt at that point as if. The three teams at that point were probably neck and neck, Liverpool, Newcastle, Man United. But United went on the next three or four years and got better and better and better, eventually to the team that won the treble. Newcastle, obviously, Keegan moved on and Newcastle dropped off a bit. And you'd never really pushed on as maybe we'd have expected you to. That, that team was probably good enough to compete with United for the next four or five years on paper and maybe didn't quite live up to its potential. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was some key moments that season. Um... You know some some key moments where you know they they went on and 
the FA Cup, I think if we'd have won the FA Cup, I think we might have beaten, like obviously beat United. So we would have beat them twice and we wouldn't have lost against them in three games that season. But if we, if we'd have won the FA Cup, I think we might have put up a better challenge than the season after. We, we kind of become a little bit inferior to them. And like, I never felt that against anybody playing for Liverpool. Apart from like going into the next season, it was like, oh, Man United. And I think they'd done us twice that season or they might have we drew and lost. But I felt like, you know, them doing the double, they took a, a massive step forward where we kind of took a slight step back where it was on a par at the beginning of the 95, 96. Newcastle, you never quite knew what you were going to get with them. They were either going to kick on or they were going to go back. They, they dropped a little bit further back. You know, but everyone, like every season, strengthens. You know, Arsenal come good, then Chelsea strengthened again. But I just think the double and, you know, what Sir Alex, the mindset he had then and the players he had, you know, winning stuff is massive, mate. Winning winning stuff really brings you back. You know, it gives you the appetite. It gives you the taste. Playing in finals and playing in World Cups and, you know, getting close creates an appetite. You know, it, you know certainly... There were some situations I wanted to do again. I wanted to play at Wembley again. I wanted to play in the cup final again. Of course you do. But when when you win at Wembley in a cup final, when you win the league, you become almost untouchable. It's kind of like, you know, we're, we're the best. Did, did you expect to beat United in that cup final? The fact that you'd, you'd gone to Old Trafford and draw and beat them at Anfield quite comfortably. Did you think that cup final was yours? No, it, it's mad, mate. A cup final is, is crazy, right? Because... Like I said, like we, you, there was no game in that season that I felt a team was better than us and would beat us. I always felt we would win. And if we lost, it was a shock. It was like, whoa, you know, what happened there? Or, um, but a cup final, it's kind of like everybody goes out of the comfort zone because it's like you go, you go down to Wembley a couple of days before, the suits, you know, the song, who done the song. Who chose the suits? Was that you? No, J-Mo chose the suits. You get like an, um, you get like, funny enough, just looking at it there, we've just moved into a house, we're doing all the curtains and everything, and there's one over there, it's like a material thing. Yeah, I'll go and get it, wait there. <laughs> wait there. It's like, it's like this, right. So, so this comes, right? And it's like all different cloths. Obviously, this is curtains and stuff. So you go, you go through it, and you go, oh, "I like, I like kind of that colour." So we would have gone for something like, I don't know, like a nice brown. So we would have gone for, say, like a browny colour like that, right? You might get the true colour there. So we pick suits in this colour. So it looked nice. We got fitted up, and they were kind of we we wanted to go for that like Italian brown, you know, the the nice sky blue shirt underneath red off day Wembley summer why not so when the suits turned up they literally came like so then they turned like you're not getting the truth they, oh, they actually caught we all remember Jason no, no one talked about the game we only talk about the suits exactly so they so they turned up white so then you're under pressure to wear them because obviously they're Armani and we're like contracted to wear them now so yeah, it was just. Hang on, it go was back. Just, Where did, how did you get from you picking brown to them turning up white? Who's a? They just got the cut. They just must have. I actually think they've gone into the the factory or whatever they make them, and they've gone. Who's got the swab? Who's got the swab? And someone's <laughs> like, I don't know. We've left it, and then they've gone. What colour did they pick? And then someone's gone. I think it's this one, and then they've literally gone like that, and it was the wrong colour. I'm, I'm convinced they got the wrong colour. They sent the wrong colour. And they've turned up this, this really like eggshell white or creamy kind of whitey colour. And then they've come. They were oversized. They were a terrible cut. They were just like the worst suits in the world. But, you know, we went with it. And, you know, people go, oh, well, it was Alex Ferguson's team talk. Yeah, it might have been. But it was never going to win or lose a, a cup final, a suit. It was never, ever going to do that. Was the cup final as bad as, as I remember it? Or was it just that it had been such an incredible season that the game itself was just a bit of a letdown? Like I said, it, it's a quite a unique game, the cup final. It's a one-off. It's at Wembley. 
get out of your comfort zone. Um, you just never seemed to start. It seemed like you completely cancelled no. each other. Well, that's what happened. You know, two very young, expansive teams, lots of talent on show, and then all of a sudden, like you said, the game never gets going. Everyone was nervous. No one wanted to give away an opportunity. And absolutely nothing happened. Me and Giggsy, just, you know, nothing happened. I tackled him. He tackled me. I never really got forward because I was frightened of him. He never really got forward because he was tracking. It's just like that. It, it just never, ever got going. Is that you politely but, said, Giggsy in your pocket? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I mean, I've watched it back. It's not, it's not one of them stop-start ones where, where you're like, oh, turn this off. It, it's not like that. But it just not, it, there was just no chances, no chances. Uh, and then it come to the, the last 10 minutes of the game. They get a corner from a back pass that goes out of play. So it never, they never really should have got a corner. So they get this corner and then J-Mo comes and punches because he's had nothing to do for 75, 78, nine minutes and feels he needs to do something. He comes a long way, punches, doesn't get enough on it. Katnar just hits it. It goes through a crowd of about six or seven players. I was on the line. And it, it just, I, I can still remember it now going in. It was like slow motion. It just goes in slow motion. And then you just think, oh no, it's the worst time to concede. And then, you know, we, we threw everything at it last 10 minutes and we just couldn't, we just couldn't score. And then they'd done the double. It was, um, do you know, for everything you've done in your entire career, all the rest, you know, the Blackburn, Bolton, yeah. two World Cups, despite that sort of disappointing end, the best year you had. Yeah, I, I was in a spell of, of two, two, three years. So from the 94 World Cup at the end of the 94-95 season to signing for Liverpool to then playing in the FA Cup, scoring the semi, scoring... Uh, playing in the FA Cup final, although we lost, amazing, amazing, you know, experience to then starting that season again. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just the best, best time of my life. Yeah, brilliant. Loved every second of it, apart from losing. <laughs> Jason, before we finish, because I could talk about you, know, I could sit all yeah. day with you. I know you've got family stuff to do. What about uh, the, the team right now? Uh, what's your gut feeling? Are you bothered how Liverpool win the title? Do you have to do it on the pitch? Would you be content if they if they call it? Now it's like we, we can't play the season. Liverpool are so far clean. What is it? Twenty five points. Would you be content just to be given the title now? Uh, no, no. I think you know. I think the general consensus is we we want to get the season going again, and we want to we want to finish it off. We know we're so close, but we we want to get them final six six seven points, whatever it is to get over the line um, and we'll feel that we've achieved it then. Obviously, it's not been the most ideal situation. Of course, it's not, um, you know, it's been, it's been disappointing, but there's a bigger picture to this as we started this, this interview, you know, it's, you know, a lot of things come before football, but, you know, we desperately want to do it the right way. And I think that's starting the season again. If it's behind closed doors, it's behind closed doors. But as long as we get the points and we mathematically win it, then, then fair enough. Would it be slightly tarnished for you if you don't get to do it on the field? Yeah, yeah, it will. I, th- I think everyone will feel like that. Um, I think everyone will feel, you know, we were kind of given the title, although we are so far ahead and, you know, I don't think anyone thinks we're going to slip up and not win the title. Um, but you, you want to do it by achieve, achieving it. Yeah, we've achieved, you know, some fantastic things over the last three or four seasons. Uh, we've got so close to winning the title. We want to do it in the right manner and we want to do it where it's mathematically impossible. If that means playing a few, four, three or four games to get them points behind closed doors, then you know we'll celebrate when, you know, when we can and it's safe to do so. And we'll, we'll have a great celebration and, and do, it, you know, do it correctly. But yeah, we don't want to be given it. We don't want to be given it. You know, we're trying to take the positives out of it. Sadio Mane, you know, he's... He's been kicking the football now for two and a half years, non-stop. You know, this is a great opportunity to, for him to rest, Salah to rest, Van Dijk to rest. You know, and, and I, think, I think the season will get going again because I think, you know, from what I'm hearing from the TV revenue and, you know, clubs just can't pay money back and it, it needs to get going again. I think it's, it's a great idea to postpone the Euros till next year. It opens a, a window up now of January, uh, sorry, July and June and July. 
Um, and I think, you know, even if we push the new season back to the end of August, that will be fine. You know, we all start again and we get going again. And, and you know, we start the season back end of August and put everything behind us. Uh, and we go again and do it afresh. And I think Liverpool, I think Liverpool will do it again next season. I think this rest will certainly really? benefit the squad. Yeah, I do. Do you need to change much in the summer if there, if there is a transfer window? Um, yeah, you know, I think there's a few there's a few positions I think that need a little bit of protecting. Um, I don't think you can ask this set of lads to to go on and on and on and on and keep producing what they're producing. Um, you've got to evolve. You've got to move um, when players are available. I think you know the likes of. Sancho would be a great acquisition. I think Liverpool should go out and you know buy him. I think he would be a great player for Liverpool. I think you need to take a bit of pressure off the front three. Left back, I think Robbo, although he you know he will benefit from this rest. I think you know you, you can't ask James Milner to keep playing there or Gomez to slot in there. You know maybe bring in someone else. You know just to cover him, to cover Robbo, put a bit of pressure on. Um, I think you know we've got strength in in most areas really. Uh, maybe Werner might be coming this summer. Yeah, the whether he's the right fit, you know, it's all about you know. We know Jurgen just doesn't venture into the transfer market and buy, you know, a superstar or because someone's available or because he's got money in his pocket. He has to fit a criteria, you know. He has to fit a dressing room. He has to fit a worth ethic. He has to fit a style of play. You know, I feel Sancho is is more of that criteria than maybe what Timo Werner is. But but Sancho might have outpriced himself. You know, for what Liverpool want, um, he might want to go to United, which is the talk at the minute. Timo Werner, you know, might be the player that we go for if we don't get Sancho. Last one for you, Jason. Last question, and this is, this is a thinker for you. How would your team, your Liverpool team, have done against this one? Do you know what? I've got to be honest. I think you would either get an FA Cup final against Man United, where we just cancel each other out, or you get a Liverpool Newcastle where it's one of the best games that you watch. Because I just think, you know, me and Robbo, we'd have a right battle in pushing me back, me getting forward. It'd be cat and mouse. Same on the other side with Trent. You know, can Fabinho, Shacklemacker, you know, can Van Dijk and Gomez, can they handle Robbie's movement, Stan's presence? You know, can our back three handle the, the front three of Liverpool, that would be a great battle. You know, Firmino, Salah and Mane, you know, playing against our back three, our wing-backs, be fascinating. Be a great game. Be a great game. FIFA reckon- could bring that out. FIFA 96, couldn't he? What was that? I was on the front of that. Um, fuck FIFA, the game, PlayStation. They should bring that out. You reckon you got them? You'd, you'd nick it, your boys? I'm going... Do you know what? I'm going for the 3-3. There you go. <laughs> Sit in the fence, 3-3. <laughs> Brilliant. Jason, thanks so much for doing this. Mate, loved it, mate. Great to see you. Glad you're safe. Stay safe.